Also, want to give a big shout out to Jack Fida from Pennsylvania, a guy that ordered some American Roots turkey calls. I got him sent out to him today, and he texted me his number, and we had a little short conversation with him. And uh, Wayne and I are thinking about leaving Sunday and going to Pennsylvania and hunting till Wednesday. Really? Yeah. You want to go? I got to work. Yeah, you got to work. Yeah, they need you here, Redbone. <laughs> he holds the ship down in the morning. He holds the ship, he holds down. The ship down in the morning. All right, here we go. What are you saying? I'm an anchor? Your opinion. Heavy or what? <laughs> <laughs> hang, on, hang on. You are the wind in the sails. <laughs> the wind in the sail. <laughs> Longer than not the wind beneath your wings. <laughs> <laughs> Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb the Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys, you ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactate and doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer herd use buck grits i've been on a big board for a while i can load him in the back of my truck we can take it to a holler take it to a field across the creek up a big old Wise Eye, Hornady Ammunition, Apex Ammunition, Amped Outdoors, Eagle Seed, Buck Grits, Nutriplot. We th- forget anybody? Lord, I hope not. Yeah, Hornady. 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 I said Hornady. You, said Hornady. you wasn't yeah. listening. I'm going through the thing here. I'm just Presents American Roots Outdoors. Welcome to the show, everybody. Again, I'm in the studio for the first time in about five weeks, and it feels good. And man, that new soundboard really looks good. I like that? Yeah, I can, can tell the can, radio even sounds better. You can, oh, it does. And uh, I even sound better. That's, yeah. that's saying something. But yeah, nice, nice new studio here. Uh, compliments of the e communications folks. And uh, uh-huh. it was time. We've been using that other board for about 25 years. Yeah, it was time. It's time. Well, you're. It, he said he sounds better, but he really <laughs> he, he can only better. He, he can only go up. <laughs> <laughs> There's my joke of the day. There's my joke of the joke day. Joke of the day. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about current events before we get into our subject matter of answering questions. We had a Q and A post today on Facebook, letting people ask us questions they wanted on the show yep. this week, and also uh, we're going to talk about again the use of fanning. And using strutting decoys throughout the show. But we're going to talk about current events right now. And the first thing I want to talk about is uh, Birch Tree has a little league team now. Uh, that's good. Yes. Yeah, we do. We have teams in Birch Tree now. We're trying to bring it back in our town. And if you're listening and you'd like to get your kid involved, if it's not too late, uh, contact the Birch Tree Park Board to get involved. And any other towns in the area that's got little league, peewee league teams, get involved. Get these kids involved. Let's bring the American roots of what how we grew up, right, back to our communities. Think, that being said, I think there are sixty kids that signed up. For how many? Sixty for the birch tree. Oh league. my goodness, that is beautiful. That's yeah. really good. Was you there? No, no, I I wasn't there. I, I had my teeth pulled yesterday. Yesterday was the first games. And uh, I am not showing my teeth. <laughs> uh, but uh, so Renee, she works the, she runs a concession stand there, my wife. Uh-huh. And uh, she uh, said they had 60 kids signed up Beautiful. for the league. They got a softball league and t-ball league. So it'll be nice. You know, something Beautiful. good for the kids to do for people that can't travel with their kids. Yeah. Keeps it local and gives their kids something to do. Well, it's the spirit of your town. Right. Yeah, it really is. You know, Thayer, Thayer has a very, uh, a very active little league and has forever and um, I think I think there are six T-ball teams in Thayer, and uh, uh, their season's about over already. You know, they start early, start actually before school gets out, and and start playing the T-ball. But the the coach pitch and, and the kids pitch and softball and baseball going gung ho right now. That's yeah. beautiful, and that's good to see. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Let's talk about 
St. Louis Cardinals. Well, that's a, a Springfield Cardinal hat that I'm wearing. Okay, but well, St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals. What is there to say? They're really good one day, and the next day, they're not. Yeah. Yesterday, Tuesday, we're recording on Wednesday. Tuesday is a perfect example. They got shut out in the first game of doubleheader. Actually, it was 3-1. to one. They scored a run in the yeah. ninth. And then the second game, they win, which yeah. is baseball. And it's too early in the season to know if they're going to be in the playoffs or any of that stuff. But, man, they need to make some moves. They got a guy in the minor leagues down in Memphis, the Gorman kid, in 33 games has hit 16 homers. He's on a pace to hit 60 and drive in like 175 runs. <laughs> and that for some reason, they're bringing up everybody but him. Wow. Depending on needs, of course, but yeah. I just don't Mo, understand. Mo, we need I don't to get that understand the strategy, you know. Uh, but anyway. Well, a lot of it has to do with contracts. You, know, you got guys that you're paying $18 million, you got to let them play. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about the money. Exactly. So anyway, the Cardinals are a 500 team, in my opinion, right now. That's my yeah, opinion. Your, they're, your they're, opinion, they're, Wayne? They're actually, they're actually eight games. I think they're eight games over 500. So, and, and I know only, they're and only, only 500, only, but they're a 500 team in my eyes. Oh, no, they're better than that. Yeah, they're a playoff contender. You're, you're talking to the wrong guy about baseball. I don't watch baseball. <laughs> Mike always disagrees with me. But <laughs> well, anyway. they're a playoff contender. They really are. Anyway. Current River Smallmouth Association, local stuff is coming up. First tournament is June the 4th at Van Buren, Missouri. If you want to become a member or fish the tournaments, 7 o'clock launch. Watercrest put in, Big Springs put in. Pay your each fees, pay your memberships uh, there at Watercrest and go fish till 5 o'clock. You weigh your best five smallmouth. You got to have an aerator in your live well. You got to have your boat safety inspected. Make sure you have everything that's needed to pass inspection. Uh, two people, no live lures, and the CRSA is getting to kick off, guys, June the fourth. Well, I'm looking forward to some smallmouth. I got to get out on the, the river this year with Alex. I got my fishing license, mm-hmm. so I'm ready to go. I just got to. I'd like to get out on the river a couple times with Alex and and do some fishing. Yeah. See what these uh, small mouth is all about that he keeps uh, yeah. raving every week about. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of fun. I went I went and pre-fished last Friday. First time I've been on the water, and I went with a friend of mine. and uh, We got on the water at 1130, and we fished from 1130 to 630, and we boated 61 bass. Wow. And of the 61, around 20, 18 to 20 of them was keepers. And we had our best five fish averaged two pounds, and largest was three pounds. So we had a pretty good stringer. And uh, I finally got to fish the back of the boat, which felt good. I usually don't get to do that. So uh <clears throat> got to have a guy that can run the trolling motor so I can fish the back, too, sometimes. But that being said, uh, fish are biting good on the lakes. Yeah, uh, the topwater. They're the catching topwater, topwater right stripers. Yeah. Kerry Robbins sent me a picture over at Gainesville, Missouri, of uh, some stripers he's been catching. He guides about every night. They've been loading the boat. My buddy Brandon Miley's been catching uh, stripers and hybrids, and uh, Billy uh, a Boardman Guide Service over there is catching the crappie. Every every client he takes catches a limit over there on North Fork. Yeah, the crappie fishing is really, really good. And, and that topwater bite, if you've never done that, about an hour and a half after daylight, about an hour and a half before uh-huh. until it gets dark. Yeah. Um, man. Uh, you see those fish bubbling? You just you could you could throw an empty hook on swirling, there and yeah, you're going to catch something. Yeah. Yeah. I love topwater fishing. I yeah. absolutely love topwater yeah. fishing. But I've always fished for largemouth up in Ohio. That's what largemouth and walleye. Those are the two two things yeah. I fish for. Not not really smallmouth. So I'm looking forward to getting on the river here. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I uh, I'm glad turkey season's over. Guiding and filming. Uh, last trip, just real quick, uh, went to Nebraska. And guided a friend of mine, Lizzie Long, called for her and filmed her. Uh, everywhere we went, there was jakes everywhere. It's very open terrain. Uh, it's nothing like what it was when I was there 12 years ago. Uh, the turkeys you did here is on somebody else's land. You couldn't go get on them. And first evening was there, we called in two longbeards. They come up, and she's looking straight ahead. We're standing up behind a cedar tree. They come up to the right of her within 20 feet of her, and she didn't see them. They spooked. Uh, then we went and she finally killed one there, Super Jake, and she bushwhacked it. Uh, it's pretty funny. Then we went to Kansas again. Kansas wasn't what I expected. 
a uh, lot of jakes, super jakes. We called in eight different jakes the first day we was there. Went back the last day, and she killed one of them just so she could fulfill her quest of her slam. So, I mean, hey, she she's sick, and if she wants to shoot a jake, let her shoot a jake. Well, That's her right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you talk about that, Alex, and, and I think back to a one of my favorite videos you ever did when you were with Hunter Specialist. <laughs> and, and I think it was a Matt Moret you were with. When you guys were doing after the hunt, and Matt Moret says, "Let me see your call," and you yeah. took your call out. No, it was J.R. Keller. Was it J.R. Keller? J.R. Keller. <laughs> he said, too. He says, "Alex, you're the Jake colonist man I ever saw in my life." And he tore it to pieces. He, tore his, he, tore he ripped it from <laughs> my favorite yelper. And then, and then they tried to get up to walk away, and their legs had fell asleep. They couldn't yeah. <laughs> stand up. That, <laughs> One of my favorite videos ever. That was the good old days, man. Good old days. Hunter Specialties, we put out some great videos during that time. Everybody, we're going to go to a break. When we come back. We're going to talk about the big debate right now on social media about fanning or using strutting decoys. And we're going to answer questions from our Facebook page on American Roots Outdoors. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and Friends. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. I can load him in the back of my truck. We can take it. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Hornady Ammunition presents Welcome Back to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge, your host, in the studio with my other co-host, the director of operations, uh, Mr. Redbone Mike Crace, and our brand manager and director of podcast, Wayne Locke. Show them your teeth. Wayne. I'm not showing my teeth. Come on, man. I'm not showing my teeth. What lack of, what lack of teeth I have. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. Lack of teeth I have. So anyway, we're having fun in the studio. And our subject matter, everybody, you know we're always cutting up, joking, having fun. So subject matter is to fan... Or not or use, to fan. Or not to fan, <laughs> or to use gobbler strutting decoys yeah, while you turkey hunt. I want to hear your opinion first, Redbone. Well, before we get into that, old Wayne had some information that he wanted to get here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, forgot. I, I, I straight Yeah, me we out. were, I was supposed to draw on May 11th. We were supposed to draw the winner for the Memories of Spring uh, book, autographed book by Ron Jolly, that was yeah. one of our guests. And uh, due to sickness, uh, basically, my teeth were killing me, and yeah. I was—I couldn't even think straight for a week. Um, I, I forgot to do the drawing, so uh, we did the drawing today. Uh, Mike Rector from Missouri is the Mike winner. Rector, oh, man, Mike he's a, one yep. of the best loggers in the country. Yeah, oh, Mike won it. That's awesome. Yep. So he's the winner, and we will get that book right out to him. Mike's probably watching us right Mike. now. I hope Let's so. say something to him. Congratulations, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> If he's not watching, he's probably listening, listening. on Saturday. Oh morning. yeah, he listens. Right. He's a loyal listener. He's yeah. a good friend. Good no, way friend. To go, Mike. That's awesome. Good deal. And we got two hats to give away. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, I got. Hornady, uh, hold them up. Let's see them. Yeah. For those that are wondering why we're holding stuff up on the yeah. radio, it's because we're also doing live. On yeah, Facebook. while we're recording, yeah. we're doing live music. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're going to autograph these hats. We got a couple hats we're going to be giving away. I want to get them in stockpile so that yeah. we can give them away to the next listeners and that. Hey, Craig Davison's watching. Also, want to give a big shout out to Jack Fida from Pennsylvania, a guy that ordered some American Roots turkey calls. I got him sent out to him today, and he texted me his number, and we set, had a little short conversation with him. And uh, Wayne and I are thinking about leaving Sunday and going to Pennsylvania and hunting till Wednesday. Really? Yeah. You want to go? Uh, I got to work. Yeah, you got to work. Yeah, they need you here, Redbone. <laughs> he holds the ship down in the morning. He holds the ship, he holds down. The ship down in the morning. All right, here we go. 
What are you saying? I'm an anchor? Your opinion. I'm heavy or what? <laughs> hang, on, hang on. You are the wind in the sails. <laughs> the wind in the sail. <laughs> Long as I'm not the wind beneath your wings. We'll be all right. <laughs> I think there's a lot of wind. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, your opinion. Okay. Do you think fans? fanning or using strutting decoys should be legal? Everywhere. Now, are you are you talking about when you're talking about using strutting decoys, just a strutting decoy out in front of your set or to get behind and crawl? Get behind. Get behind. Yeah, I'm saying no. I think they should be illegal. Okay. Your opinion. I think if you're on private property, I have no problem with it because it's a safety issue. But on public land, I do not like it. And there, I think it should be illegal. Just because it's a safety issue for me. There you go. Um, no, I, think my safety, opinion. I think it's a safety issue and an unfair advantage. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You, it'd have to be a pretty big turkey fan for me to get behind and cross. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's my opinion. My opinion is I think everybody should be able to use decoys as long as it's passed and legal within your state. However, using a tail fan or a strutting decoy to walk behind or scoot and shoot should not be legal to be used on public land that's my opinion safety is the first and foremost of any aspect of any hunt so that is our opinion if you're mad at us i'm sorry there's people getting shot using the fanning decoy and another thing i have nothing against using decoys but i'm gonna make a bold statement and we have a decoy sponsor montana decoys helps us and decoying helps you close the deal it's that simple yeah. A gobbler gobbles, responds to your call. You can sound like the ugliest hen in the woods. If he's sad and lonely looking for a hen, he's going to walk to a spot where he can see where that call come from. If he sees a, a realistic hen decoy there, something that appears to be a hen or a jake or a strutting decoy, it makes him think that there's other turkeys there. What decoying has done is taken away the knowledge of, from callers how to communicate to a turkey, how to get inside his head to make him look. I wonder how many people, not, I don't want to hurt decoy sales, how many people can actually call in a turkey without a decoy? There's your good one. Think about that, Redbone, Mike, Wayne. Yeah, I didn't even, uh, well, I used a decoy one day this year. It was the only day I used a decoy. The rest of the- How many did you kill? I didn't kill any of this, right? <laughs> but I only got out three times now. So, but we're going to talk about. How many times did you work turkeys? All three times. You know how many times I went out to myself? Two and a half times, two and a half days. I never worked a turkey. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, unfortunately, the turkeys I was working between, but by the time I started working them and, and by the time I thought they'd be close in range, I heard bang. <laughs> and it wasn't my gun doing You're the shooting. On land. Right. I was on yeah. public land, right? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you know, like I said, I'm the only one here that think they, that the, uh, the the fans and the the strutting decoys should be illegal everywhere. But I just think it, it creates unfair chase. I think it's unfair advantage for the hunters. Well, I think again, I want to reiterate on that before we go to break. I think decoying has helped uh, people close the deal. It, yeah, it, it actually made fine. turkey hunting easier. Decoy really has. Yeah, decoy is fine. But it's made it easier. Using the fan is very dangerous. Let me tell you right now, I've killed several turkeys using the fan decoy, the Montana, on private land. That gobblers got one side of it, and a group of gobblers come right in, and you kill them. Yeah. That had nothing to do with calling. They right. saw the decoy, and it was yeah. over. So yeah. it takes away from the ability to, to call. But I still think we should be able to use decoys. I, I'm being wishy-washy if that's what you want to call it, but I have mixed emotions. So uh, that's our take on fanning and using strutting decoys and uh, scooting shoots. And, and here's, here's another thing. Uh, how long is it going to be before somebody comes up with a, a deer decoy on wheels? They're already doing it. Are they They're already right? doing it. They're yeah. already doing it. Yeah. See? Unfair yeah. advantage. Yeah. It does change the game. But anyway, you're listening to American Reach Outdoors. We're going to go to a break. We come back. We're going to answer the questions that's been asked to us from the American Reach Facebook page. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Reach Outdoors right after this. Hey, y'all. It's Tyler Farr, and you're hanging with me and my good buddy, Alex Rutledge, on American Reach Outdoors. How many of you are tired of your batteries running out of energy, out of power? Let me tell you about Amped Outdoors. I've changed using the batteries I have had in the past 
Amped Outdoors, I have the new 80 amp, 24 volt, single battery, weighs 46 pounds. This thing has produced energy all day long. Tested for two days, total use 11 hours. Cannot tell the batteries have even lost any energy. Go to Amped Outdoors if you want to be successful and not run out of power. Hunt Control presents... Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. We are having fun in the studio, everybody. A lot of fun with Redbone and Mr. Wayne Locke that got two of his teeth pulled. <laughs> he three. Like me te- oh, three. three. He, he knows I'm going to jab him and, and mouth him because he mouths me back, too. He gets me back, and I can take it. <laughs> but uh, we got a lot of questions asked. Uh, let's kick it off. What's the first question we got to ask? And let's start answering them. They're pertaining to turkey hunting. Uh, and or, or, still, land or land management, land management, yep. whatever. So, Wayne, read them to us. Okay, we we'll start off. First question is from Corey Fells. Uh, Corey is asking: When gobblers are quiet and don't gobble at all, what are the best ways to hunt them? Alex, go first. Okay, Corey, great question. Thank you so much for that question. First thing is, I want to say if you've done your scouting, and you know from using trail cameras, from glassing, from watching. Uh, from the knowledge you've obtained of the area that you're hunting, you need to find their strut zones where they're frequenting a lot. When they're frequenting in certain areas and they're strutting with the hens, the best way to hunt them is deer hunt them, uh, which is not the funnest way, but you're sitting and you're waiting, you're calling sparingly, soft calling, and with your decoy setups, preferably the perfect pair by Montana, the hen and the jake, and maybe even a strutting decoy a three-dimensional one, and you set it up, and they catch vision of it, they come into sight. So uh, that's been a very successful tactic for me and uh, taking hunters and filming over it. So find the strut zone, set their decoys up, call easy, set and wait, and it can happen. Uh, For me, I would say I'd use the uh, ambush tactic of, uh, depending upon what hours you're allowed to hunt, if if you're in an area where you can hunt all day, uh, try and you know where they're roosting at in the evenings, Get to where the between the fields that they're in and they're roosting in the where they roost in the evening and try and catch them on their way back. Even though they're not going to gobble, they're going to be going back to those uh, general area of the roosting trees. May not be the same tree, but generally they they do roost in the same area. And so I just use the ambush tactic on that one. Great, great response, Redbone. Yeah, and I'm going to say the same thing. You hunt them like you're going to deer hunt. You know, find, find Go from your knowledge. If you're using if you're using wise eye cameras and you got yeah. them set in these struts, it's going to tell you where you need to be. Yeah. I mean, you He's touch got- the data, and all you got to do is click on hunt control and go to turkey, and it's going to tell you the best times you need to be in that area. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'll go back, too, to something that, that Wayne talked about a couple weeks ago, and I know you weren't here, Alex, and that was just call to the hens. Try and draw the hens over, and maybe the, the, yeah. the, the times will follow. But... The hens don't always come to call. No, they don't always, that, but, but you can try it. But you can try it, yeah. 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 Call easy when they're really hinned up. That's the best way to start out and get in tight, get inside their comfort zone if you can find them. Another great tactic, uh, drive around, slip around field to field, food plot to food plot. If you find them easy and tight, turn them across softly and try to lure them in that way. Another question. Kevin Bowman. Uh, he asked, in your experience, what is the most effective decoy setup or configuration that you like? Great, great, de- great question. I'll answer that first. Yep. Okay, great question, Kevin. Uh, what I like to do is use a hen and a jake, and Montana makes a great, I mentioned it earlier, called the perfect pair. It's a, a young jake, and he's just a standing jake and a standing hen. You can adjust the head on the, the new perfect pair. It's, it's like a coil spring. You can turn the head down, up to one side or the other, uh, make the turkeys look like they're feeding or make make them look like they're alert. Uh, I like to set them where they're facing directly towards me, especially if I'm taking a kid or something. What happens is when a gobbler comes in, I set them out in front of me. And when using decoys, you want to make sure you set them up where you can see at least 75 to 100 yards beyond the decoys in every direction. Why? It's because if approaching hunters come to the decoys, you can, you know, shut them down. Hey, you know, don't wave your hand or go, <laughs> get your shot. But anyway, I'm being funny. Uh, it's not get funny getting shot. shot. Get, uh, get you shot too, maybe. The line of fire. But anyway, you, you yell out a name. Hey, I'm another hunter over here. 
a tactic I like to do, I have an orange flag on my vest. If from behind me, I'll take and pin my orange flag up on a tree right behind me. So if the approaching hunter sees that, well, they hear the calling, then they think, oh, there's another hunter there. So that's my favorite setup. Set the hen and Jake uh, facing me. That way the turkeys come in, they circle, and they, if they're strutting, they raise their tail fan up, they're facing the decoy, I can draw my bow or raise the gun for a child and close the deal. What about you, Redbone? Yeah, I would say exactly the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Wayne? I would, for me, it's always been a bedded hen, a feeding hen, and then I alternate between a Jake and a Tom. And the reason I do that is because if I know the area, and this goes back to knowing your birds and doing your scouting, Mm -hmm. if you have a ton of Jakes in your area, I myself tend not to use a Jake decoy because odds are that Toms have been beat up by the Jakes. Yeah. And if they see another Jake out there with those hens, they're not coming. Yeah. They're not going to close the deal, so I'll put a Tom decoy out. But if I know that I don't have a whole lot of Jakes in the area, uh, then I'll I'll use a Jake decoy, but no problem, because then the Tom feels more embellished to come in because he's going to feel like, hey, I'm the boss guy around mm-hmm. here. I got no problem beating up on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're not going to use that configuration uh, from what we know now in Nebraska or Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> not this year. No, not, not for the next couple years. That's yeah. right. Not with all them Jakes yeah. that they were reporting. Yeah. No way. Yeah, it was terrible, man. <laughs> You, know, you didn't want to get out of the truck. There's so many jakes, you know. And, and no disrespect to anybody that shoots a jake, but no, just you know, don't turn my crank. I want to kill longbeards and big spurred turkeys. But uh, we've all answered that question. Another question. Now, real quick, got about two minutes. Okay, this is a quick one. Uh, Jimmy Jones asks: When hunting turkeys with a bow, what is the best setup, and how far do you put your decoys if you're using a bow? Okay. Uh, number one, another, again, thank you for the great question. Uh, when I hunt with a bow, I set my decoys 15 to 20 yards. Again, I like them facing me, and I like to have a squatted hen or a Jake decoy, always. Uh, you've created two things. Number one is they think, oh, she's squatted. She's ready to be made, and that Jake's mm-hmm. not doing nothing. I'll come in and take care of the mm-hmm. business. Uh, and number two is if the turkey's dominant, it's your calling to, and he sees the Jake, and there's only one Jake decoy there, which they can't count, but they know there's more, not more than one, uh, it creates a aggression. So they'll come into it, and again, when the turkeys come to it and they're facing you, uh, the, you go to full draw and you can close the deal. That's my setup. What about you, Redbone? You don't bow hunt them, but no. how would you do it? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to follow the expert. I'm going to do exactly what you just said. Yeah, thank you. And for me, I when I bow hunt, I bow hunt out of a blind. I'm yeah, a, you want you want so to hunt for out me, of a blind. For me, I put my my decoys are anywhere from five to eight yards in front of my blind. Wow. Yep. Wow. Because they too many times if they hang up twenty yards past my decoy, they're still within bow range at twenty five yards. Mm. Mm. That doesn't. I mean, I'm not. I'm just. We're debating. We got about thirty seconds left. Do you think? You're quiet enough to get away with drawing the shot that close with them at, at five to eight yards. Yeah, because I'm not. I'm already drawn. It, but if I, as soon as I see them at thirty yards, I got okay. already come to okay. draw. Okay. And okay. I wait till I get them in as close okay. until I see okay. that they're stopped. Okay. And if they do hang up at twenty yards, they're still within bow range because they're twenty five yards away. Great answer. Great answer. I understand it now. Everybody, you're listening to American Reach Outdoors. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about answering questions and tactics and wildlife management. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors. Around your heart, so you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Hey, turkey hunters. This is Alex Rutledge. Have you heard about Apex Ammunition? If you haven't, they are American-owned, American-made, made one at a time, hand-loaded. These turkey loads will give you the confidence that you need to close the deal on that old hook daddy long beard gobbler. For more information, go to www.apexammunition.com. Grits presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. We are in the studio at K Country ninety five with Wayne Locke. What's up, Redbone Mike Crace, Mister Sports Authority, the Hound Dog, Redbone, 
And we've been answering questions from our social media post. What's the next question, Wayne? All right. We've got Mike Collins. Uh, what is some of the easiest, most inexpensive ways for one to improve nesting or brooding habitat on private land? You want to go first? You want to go first? This is something, Mike, that we when we had uh, uh, Reen on last week, she uh, said yeah. was the number one issue for the decline in Missouri. Yes, yeah. there's loss of habitat and, and needing to create more nesting areas and uh yeah, I mean, better nesting areas, better nesting, and more yeah. nest, best, uh, more better. How about that, more better. That's more, right. More better, better. More better. More better. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and and you know, the thing about the flooding and all that, which I thought was very interesting, she said, really is not an issue. Uh, you know, as big an issue as we might think that it would be. Uh, but uh, yeah, just you know, create those brush piles, create those places where those turkeys can feel comfortable, and then close to ponds, close to yeah. ponds, water holes, you know, creeks. Yeah, but you don't want it to flood out. Yeah, no, you don't want it to. But you yeah. said most generally, the animals know. Alabama, Anthony Crow's on here from Alabama watching us. To give to Anthony high. Yeah, roll tide. <laughs> roll tide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. Yeah, but I mean that's I mean that's what she said. You know, just you got to do something to create the habitat for those turkeys to feel comfortable to nest. Exactly, and you could do you could kill two birds with one stone, and that's by just doing some hedge cutting in your property, because the hedge cutting, if you do do it right, the deer absolutely love it, uh, especially the bucks, because it gives them that security in that. So do your hedge cutting, uh, thirty to seventy yards off of your food plot fields in that, and somewhere also thirty to fifty or seventy five yards to a watering source, but it gives them that security. Field edges, tall grass. That goes back to like mm-hmm. Eagle Seed has a Buffalo Summer Blend for yeah. tall grass that you can plant in the spring. They have and, an Indian grass too that grows really high. Yeah, yeah. But get yeah. that tall grass around the edges. Give Lots those, of those hearts. nesting. Keep sending them. We love it. Those yeah. nesting sites will be uh, protected. Then they feel secure going in there nesting, and it helps with the predators. Yeah, and and create some areas where you don't have tall fescue and thick yeah. fescue because thick. the pulse cannot yeah. get through the fescue, yeah. right? Exactly, and it exactly. makes it hard for them to find anything to eat. Exactly. So you know, if you and I know people, I mean, fescue is a staple in the cattle industry here in the Ozarks because it grows in about anything and mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, but if you just you know, leave ten or fifteen feet around the edge of a field and put something else. It'll help. Beautiful, beautiful. What we do, we select cut our timber on my farm, as you know, Wayne. And and uh, when we do, we take all the treetops and we pile them up into big piles. Yep. And chicken hawks can't get to them. And if you can, if you do it right, uh, there you, you make a couple of entrance and exits. You know, in case a predator does come in there. Another thing too is they're saying, according to studies, that after the hen sets on the nest for twenty some days, she, she becomes. Uh, a thorn and older, and she you know, she's easier to find by predators. So, mm-hmm. uh, coons, predators are a big nemesis, as we all know. But again, I like to build my brush piles and stuff close to water source uh, where they can hurry and get the fawns to water. And and I like to let my fields grow up because it creates insects, and the, the mm-hmm. pulse eat insects instantly. Oh yeah. And if you've watched any of my live feeds, my wife we call her Old Mama Hen, Mama Bird Rutledge. Uh, we bought us 10 baby pole turkeys, broad breasts, and they look just like wild turkeys. We're raising them. And uh, she bought some uh, dehydrated worms, mm-hmm. and they go crazy over yeah, the dried them. So worms, yeah. They're high protein. Yeah. So yeah, uh, chickens love those too. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy me some crickets. My buddy Ricky Green from Kentucky said, Alex, you want to see some fun? Go buy you some fishing <laughs> crickets and turn them loose and watch them chase them all over. So, <laughs> two, yeah. two more pieces of advice I would give also to Mike to answer this is yeah. uh, burn, baby, burn. Yeah. Burn, burn, burn. Burn as often as you're supposed to. Yeah, and don't get burn on... while they're nesting. Though. Right, right. No, this is obviously during the burn season, and that goes back to get a hold of your MDC office. They will or come any, out. Or any, depending on your state. No well, yeah. You're listening. Your right, depending upon your state. Your biologist. You know, uh, Land specialist. Uh, yeah, so you can get, all your states will have uh, people that will come out to your property, put together a, a five-year, ten-year plan. You tell them what it is you're trying to do, what you're trying to improve. They'll put a plan together for you, and you might as well get paid for getting your property improved. Uh, You know, like we put in, you know, uh, uh, forced openings is what they call them. We call them food plots. (laughs) The state calls them forced openings. You get paid for doing that. You get paid for putting in a burn line around your property, through your property, 
Uh, I think it's like ponds. Uh, they right? help you build ponds. Well, nope, they won't build a pond, but they will build a watering uh, hole. I'm sorry, and I'm doing watering this in quotes, hole. folks. Watering hole. Watering hole. But they will not help you build a pond. So it's all in the wording. But yes, they know exactly what you're doing with it. Get the officers out there; they'll put together a plan for you, and get you might as well reap the rewards of your property exactly, and improve your wildlife exactly. Let the experts do it. Yeah, and I like the brush pile because I love to deer hunt out of a brush pile. Yeah, you you blend in. I do. I yeah. love to, to to get sit sit down on a log and clear me a little spot, mill that brush and pile. Pile you a bunch of brush. Yeah, and hunt yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, another question. How many minutes we got left this segment? Oh, uh, I got about two minutes to go here. Okay. We'll wrap it up on the radio show. Um. Okay. How do you use your decoys during a mid mid season lull? How do I use my decoys during the mid-season lull? Depends on the activity that I have seen and experienced during this lull. Uh, as the turkeys uh, hend up, the turkeys not gobbling, which you call a little off. They're not gobbling. Uh, where are the turkeys at? You know, how many jakes are in that area? How many longbeards in that area? How many hens in there? Uh, to answer that. Uh, I got, you got to be more precise, I guess, in the question. Uh, I think overall, I, I, I just usually go to one hen. When it's a law, I go to one hen. And that's exactly what I was going to yeah, say, and I think yeah. that's what she was leading to. If yeah. When they become henned up and they call yeah. it the law, yeah. you know, what do you do? And that's exactly yeah. what I do. I, I scrap the, the Tom and the Jake decoys. I yeah. scrap the, the uh, one of my hens, and I just carry around one hen with me, yeah. and that's all I put up. If the gobblers are by themselves, I'll tell you something I like to do. I like to carry several hens, no joke. Uh, two or three hens and a jake. And it, again, he thinks, oh, man, you know, there's more than one hen there. Well, I'm going to have me a party. So your answer, your response, Redmond? Yeah, the same. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a turkey hunter, so. Yeah. Yeah. So he uses one hen, another guy on here. But, uh, yeah, one more quick question. Well, I'll ask a question because it's going to be a long one. We can okay. think about it on break here. But um, it's for the bonus. This is our last segment for the radio show. Oh, yeah, for the this radio. Is, this is last of the radio show. Oh, then show, we'll, yeah. yeah, we'll save it for the bonus. We'll save it okay. for the bonus. Well, so, to, so speaking of bonus, so to listen to us and get more questions that we're going to be asking and to find out about how our seasons went this year, uh, just tune into your local podcast, your local, huh? I mean, your favorite podcast carrier, whether that be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, whatever. Uh, click like, subscribe, whatever it asks you to yeah. do, and then uh, you'll hear the bonus segment. If you missed any of the radio show today uh, from the beginning, say you didn't catch on you know, right away, you got halfway through, don't worry about it. Just go to the podcast. You can hear the entirety of the radio show along with the bonus segment that we're gonna, ready to do. Thank you for all the hearts and the thumbs up, and uh, thank you for being our friends and listening to us. Uh, be sure to go to YouTube and check out ARO Productions, Alex Rutledge. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, TikTok, we got some funny stuff over there. One of our posts, I don't know if you saw this before we close. I had a post of two of my wife's roosters fighting in the yard, and a gobbler comes in there. One of my my tame gobbler comes in there and breaks them up, starts fighting them. <laughs> I had three hundred eighty six thousand views. It went viral. Wow! And the last time I seen it was last night before dark, and I went to watch it this morning. It was gone, taken down. Mm. Nobody said nothing. I've not spent one penny. It's a one hundred percent organic. So if anybody knows how to help me find that video, I'd like to get it back up. So thank you again for being a loyal listener, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you all across the country uh, from Illinois, Tennessee, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa, Arkansas, Missouri, for being our friends. Ohio. Ohio, PA, New (laughs) New Jersey, Alabama, Mississippi. East Coast to West Coast. Oklahoma. I mean, we got followers everywhere. Redbone, give them a final word here on the wrap-up of the show today, what they learned today. What they learned today uh, was, um, I don't know, I didn't pay a lot of attention. <laughs> <laughs> don't pull three teeth. Alex will make fun of you. <laughs> right. Yeah, lesson number one right there. No. You know, I, I knew, you know, last week, Wayne had a, a terrible toothache, and we recorded early, like at noon on Wednesday. I said, he's like, oh, this tooth is killing me. I don't want to get it pulled. I said, hey, want to go to lunch? I'll buy it. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Notice I did eat something soft, though. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like when I tried to call Wayne. And, and he, me calling. Look, and he ate I'll, a lot. I'll taste it. I'll taste it. What? I'll taste it. Hey, Wayne, you home? No answer. Wayne, are you there? No answer. 
Hey, Wayne, I got some money I want to get. Hey, I'll be right over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that toothache disappeared when we went to lunch. <laughs> yeah. All right, wrap her up, boys. Remember, here at American Roots, we say, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Eagle Seed presents... We ought to hire that guy that's doing that intro. <laughs> Eagle Seed presents! <laughs> Eagle Seed presents. Yeah, there we go. Uh, hey, welcome back to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. It's Wayne Locke. I'm Mike Chris in the studio with me. Alex is in the studio Senior Eagle this Seed week. Presents. Senior. But uh, if you're listening to this, it means you're listening to the bonus segment and you're listening to us on the podcast. We appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed the first part of the show. We're going to start the podcast off with uh, what, how our seasons went this year um mine will be quick and easy alex is probably going to have the the longest uh, explanation but we're going to talk just strictly how our seasons went yeah, here in missouri yeah. and and what made our success and what did not make our mm-hmm. success so you kick yours off first wayne uh mine was pretty easy i uh i went out four times got a chance to go out four times my last week i worked uh we had birds gobble all four times you and, and i, I went, went out, out together one time we went out the first time together and then three more times i went out on my birthday that was the last day i went out may 7th uh the season was still open one more day uh but that was mother's day and i am not going out on mother's day uh to go turkey hunting even though renee said hey if you want to go out tomorrow morning you know you can go out no that's a that's a catch guys <laughs> That's like saying, that's like when she tells, ask you, do I look fat in this? You you know, you don't answer that. You just, even though she said yes, I knew if I went, she'd probably be mad. (laughs) So I don't go. Alex, Alex, you you know as well as I do. And I think it was, uh, uh, oh, famous fisher. Who was it? Uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Houston. Jimmy Houston. That said, if you ask your wife, if you can buy a new fishing rod. Yeah. Yeah. She says, no. Buy one anyway. That's right. Yeah, she's going to get mad, but you'll have a new fishing rod. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That is so true. But so if turkey season's around Mother's Day, go hunt anyway. Go hunt, hunt. She's going to get get mad, but you went turkey hunting. But I still got, and I could have got one. You're right. (laughs) But my my turkey, the last week of turkey season for me really sucked because my truck broke down the week before on a friday so i had no truck we only had the one vehicle and we had to take our son to school every day so i couldn't hunt in the mornings and since missouri is a morning only state uh that kind of ruined my entire week last week of hunting so i was able to go out on saturday may 7th which was my birthday uh got in between three gobblers uh off the roost um started working a couple of them and then heard bang on one ridge (laughs) And then the other one started, you know, gobbling again. So I moved a little closer to him, started working him. Then all of a sudden, about 20 minutes later, bang, heard another. So he was off the list, and the third one never came in. So overall, my season wasn't bad because I was hearing them. Uh, I was hunting public land only. And uh, so that was that was nice to, you know, be able to hear that many birds on public land. To me, that was nice. Uh, you know, especially with as bad as our numbers are down here, yeah. just to hear turkeys out there gobbling those last couple times I went was a nice break. But hey, it's not about the kill; it's about the hunt, and I had a blast. Yeah, well, that's what matters, you know. I mean, uh, it's your turn, Redbone. You never got to go, did you? Yeah, no, I didn't. I I never even bought a tag. Yeah, but what was your overall perspective and what you heard most people say about their hunts here in Southern <laughs> you know, Missouri, it, Northern Arkansas? It depended on where they were. I mean, you know, I have lunch at the same place every day, and guys that come in and have been hunting that morning, some of them were seeing birds all over the place. Some of them weren't seeing any. Hmm. Some people were hearing birds, not seeing birds. Other people were seeing birds, not hearing birds. I mean, it's... So was people killing birds, a lot of birds killed down here? uh, Well, we had 195 in Oregon County, and there's only 10,000 people, and and only only about probably 1,000 hunters, turkey hunters. Those are pretty good numbers. Yeah, pretty good. I I think all in all... Now, I'm not going to say that the turkey numbers in oregon county are what they were no 10 years ago or 15 years ago no they're not uh but there were a substantial number of hunters that harvested birds 
Well, here's what I faced. I had seven long beers living uh, next to you and me, Wayne, mm-hmm. three weeks before season. And they was coming into my food plots pretty regular, getting them on the pictures. Uh, they started logging all along the east of us. Yep. And all of a sudden, all the turkeys was gone. And by logging, we mean clear annihilating their, their well, area. It's the right to clear <laughs> right. cut. It, it, is. It, yeah. it is. I would but, love to see more select cutting <laughs> than clear cutting. But, but, but yeah, that, it's that, the right, though. It, it's the right. Yeah. It destroyed our hunts. But it, it the turkeys went way east. I could hear them gobbling way to the east and way to the north a mile of us so it messed up the hunt around my place but that's okay uh, i told uh, my neighbors which i get along very good with them i'm not going to kill none of them because we don't have them right so we did not hunt them at, around my place or yours did we wayne nope not one time because we're worried about our numbers so that being said i ended up hunting a lot of mark twain and going to some other my private honey hose and I hunted a total of 17 days with other people i only hunted two and a half days to myself I called in, uh, of the 17 days, I sat down on four goblin turkeys that I actually worked that I called in. And two of the four was killed and two misses. So it's pretty bad. Uh, The two and a half days I was by myself and never got on a goblin turkey because they was on somebody else's land or they were so deep that I couldn't get to them. So I had the worst luck of my entire life hunting Missouri. And whoever says we do not have a problem, uh, They're not you should have been with then. me. You're not turkey <laughs> hunters. So the people that was fortunate enough to kill turkeys uh, in Missouri, southern Missouri, hey, God bless you, man. We, we cheer for you. But uh, we got to do something about spring turkey season next year. we got to get one of the ideas I come up with, and, and I've been thinking about this, and I'm going to say it on the radio, the podcast show. We are a state that helped other states get started with wild turkeys. We may need to be asking you to bring some of them back <laughs> to us. It, and I was talking to the guys from uh, Missouri. I'm yeah, I, you know, I was talking to the guys from Missouri Woods and Water because they're up north. Yeah, uh, where they hunt and that, and they. I told them how bad it was down here in the Ozarks because they were always saying, "Man, you guys are lucky down there." You know, when they had you know, a couple years, for the last few years, they were suffering. Uh, because of the weather had totally, you know, ruined all the hunting and, and the turkey population up there. Now that we have role reversal. And they told, they, they flat out said, you know, Wayne, we feel your pain. Because we were going through the same thing yeah. just a few but years they ago. Got turkeys now. And now they got turkeys. And yeah. now we're hurting. So, you know, it's well, like the I'm state serious. it's like the state flip-flopped. You MDC know, right? should ask for some of our turkeys. Bring us some turkeys back in here. And let's shut us down to one turkey a season. Put some monitors on them. Let's monitor them and see what happens to yeah. them. Ohio, you know? went, Ohio went to uh, one turkey. This year, that was the first year they've for a long they time. They need to do it in Missouri, I think. One turkey and two week season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we need to do, and shut out the fall hunting and no bow hunting. Uh, and you know they've already proven. I think yeah, the uh, study showed that the fall hunt has really no one percent. Yeah, one one percent is yeah, all it's killed. What they do kill, majority of them is jakes. You look at that study. That 1%, a majority of them is Jake's. That's goblin turkeys for next year. I'm telling you. Yeah, I, look I, I looked at the numbers. At the numbers. But, but, yeah, it's, uh, but it's still not a substantial number. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, few, I, I think cutting it tur- down to one turkey A few hundred turkeys out of the you know, 85,000 or whatever they predict the Here's another is thing. really not a substantial They need number. to divide northern Missouri, central Missouri, southern Missouri. When they do... The, these studies, not all turkeys are the same because right. habitat's different, environment's different. We need to break us in regions. Well, that's one of the things Rena was talking about is, yeah, is really breaking up into regions. That. Well, was one of the things study, they were I'm just at. saying they're studying, not the, yeah. be able to hunt, but they're studies. They need to do different yeah. studies. Well, they were. She was actually talking about they that they are actually looking at as one of the options breaking the state up into regions because some regions are doing much better. Yes, she had been in Ohio when those studies were done back in the 90s, and uh, that's when they Ohio broke them up into regions, and then they said, okay, well, this region, you're allowed two turkeys, uh, but then like three years later, well, well, that region's starting to get a little low. Now we're just going to limit that region to one turkey. Yeah. They actually changed the dates of one of the regions, the Northeast region, because mm-hmm. of the, one of the studies that uh, she was able to participate in showed that the breeding cycle was off by two weeks than the rest of the state 
because of the lake effect snow yeah. coming off of Lake yeah. Erie. Yeah. And that it actually put them behind two weeks. So they actually changed the for that zone only was two weeks later. I the think, rest of the state. I think the weather had our turkeys messed up. I think we had turkeys breeding early when it was beautiful, the end of February and early March. Then I think it slowed them back down. They would get hit. I saw hens by themselves the end of March. And then it was just so wet. Yeah. So wet. The t- ground temperature was so cold. Right. So yeah. no, the hens was setting, you know. So the gobblers actually stayed with the hens longer than normal. But anyway, that's our wrap for the season. Uh, we've been on here about nine minutes now. so And we actually just answered Cody Dillard's yeah. question, which was, uh, what are the causes of concerns that we think is declining yeah. the turkey population? Again, uh, Rena said the studies show it's it's the uh, breeding areas, or not breeding areas, the bedding nesting, areas for the nesting, nesting areas. Not for bedding. The, yeah, nesting. the nesting areas for the turkeys. Yeah. Um, and the predators. And, and the predators, and along with the... Uh, uh, forced um, management. The forced management. Yeah, the de- the decline in, in areas for them to go because of all the clear no cutting nesting. that's going on. Yeah. And yeah. one of the issues, I thought this was very maybe the most the thing I remember best by what she said when you were talking about the, the the predation problem. The problem is the number of predators one, but number two is the wet weather because when turkeys get wet, they stink. Exactly. And it makes it easier for the predators to I find. Agree. Yeah, that was pretty interesting when she was talking about that. I thought that was that. really interesting yeah. that, that that is the biggest reason the predation problem is so prominent is because the turkeys are easy to find because we've had, for five years in a row now, record-setting wet springs. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay, I know we are, we're down on time here. This is going to be a real quick 30-second yeah. answer. Right. Besides our home state of Missouri, what is your favorite state to hunt gobblers and why? Okay, and that was from Tracy Henry. Uh, Tracy Henry, correct. My buddy Tracy Henry, a huge Liberty Eagles uh, fan and supporter. Uh, Tracy, uh, beating my home state's hard to beat. Uh, I've seen my home state the easiest at times, and I've seen it the hardest at times. But some states that really stick out in my mind are the most gobblers that I've ever heard in my life. And you're going to laugh at this. New York. Oh, I, New York has I hear a lot New York. I hear New York is a good turkeys. place to go. New yeah. York and Oklahoma is impressive. You know, okay. so it would have to be between, uh, you know, in hard states, Mississippi, Alabama. You know, I love them all. Uh, New York was probably the most impressive state I've ever been in. And probably some For of the Easterns. Most, and, and from the footage that we've seen in the, in the years you went to New York, yeah. some of the prettiest footage we've yeah. ever had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, it would be Ohio and uh, PA. I got to hunt PA with Mark Irwin. Uh, yeah, we're getting ready to go back, listener. everybody. And uh, PA huh? is just a beautiful state, lots of birds. So Ohio and PA is my two. Yeah, there we go, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, go to our YouTube channel. Support us on our YouTube channels. Watch our videos. Share them, please. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, no reason to fear the wind.